Turn in your Bibles to Daniel chapter 9, Daniel chapter 9, as we uh, uh, go to God's Word, as we uh, continue to plot our way through, we made it to chapter 9. This morning, uh, we're really going to be talking about the trial of God's people, but I, I think about your own trials, and how many of you have been in a trial that you went on too long, went on too long? Uh, you know, you, you kind of had this idea that you go, oh, I'm in a trial. I can faithfully serve you and like, and I can handle this for about a week, for about a week. And, uh, then I'll be done. And the week comes and just kind of lingers on and, uh, the month comes and it just kind of lingers on and it's still there, maybe even intensifies and there's even ebbs and flows and you're still stuck there and you realize that, uh, it's not going to change. It's not going to be something, excuse me, um, that is going away and it feels like it will never end. You can picture, um, and, and, you know, I, not to discourage or, uh, anything for you this morning, but some of your trials will last a lifetime. Uh, the rest of your days. It might last a lifetime. And uh, this morning, as we look to God's word, we can gain great courage from Daniel that for him it had. It had. Uh, it, uh, the trial had come in his youth. Um, he had been taken into captivity. And even as we look at his life now, we realize that he is an old man. And uh, he's thinking through the captivity, the time that they have been together. And so, um, yeah, and so we, we want to identify with that this morning and hopefully learn from Daniel as we see uh, God unfolding for him uh, what's going to happen, what it's been like, and then uh, we'll look at his prayer, and then next week we're going to look at uh, the things that are to come, the things that are to come. Um, If you'd stand in honor of God's word, I'd like to read to you from Daniel chapter 9, starting in verse 1 and going down through verse 19. God's word says this, In the the first year of Darius, the son uh, of Ahasuerus, uh, by descent, Amid, uh, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, perceived in the book's the number of years that according to the word of the Lord uh, to Jeremiah the prophet must pass before the end of the desolations of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. Uh, Then I turned my face to the Lord God, seeking him by prayer and pleas for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. I prayed uh, to the Lord my God and made confession saying, O Lord, uh, the great Uh, An awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and and keep his commandments. We have all uh, we have sinned and done wrongly and acted wickedly and rebelled, turning aside from your commandments and rules. We have not listened uh, to your servants, the prophets who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes and our fathers and to all the people of the land. To you, O Lord, belongs righteousness, uh, but to us open shame. As at this day, to the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and to all Israel, 
uh, those who are near and those who are far away in all the lands to which you have driven them because of the treachery that, that they have committed against you. To us, O Lord, belong open shame uh, to our kings, to our princes, to our fathers, because we have sinned against you. To the Lord our God belong mercy and forgiveness, for we have rebelled against him and have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God by walking in his laws, which he set before us by his servants, the prophets. All Israel has transgressed your law and turned aside, refusing to obey your voice. And the curse and and oath that are written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, has been poured out upon us because we have sinned against him. He has confirmed his words, which he's spoken against and against the rulers who have ruled us by bringing upon us great calamity. For under the whole, uh, the whole heaven there uh, has not done anything like has been done against Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this calamity has come upon us, yet we have not entreated the favor of the Lord, turning from our iniquities and gaining insight by your truth. Therefore, the Lord has kept ready the calamity and has brought it upon us. For the Lord our God is righteous in all the works that he has done, and we have not obeyed his voice. And now, O Lord our God, uh, who brought your people out of the land of Egypt with uh, a mighty hand and, and have made a name for yourself at this day, we have sinned, we have done wickedly. O Lord, according to all your righteous acts, let your anger and your wrath be turned away uh, from the city of Jerusalem, your holy hill, because our sins and for the iniquities of our father, Jerusalem and your people have become a byword among uh, the, all who are around. Now therefore, uh, O God, listen to the prayer of your servant and to the pleas for mercy. And, and for your own sake, O Lord, make your face shine upon the sanctuary which is desolate. O my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolation and the city that is called by your name. For we uh, do not present our pleas before you because of our righteousness, but because of your great mercy. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, pay attention and act. Delay not uh, for your own sake, O my God because your city and your people are called by your name. God, thank you for your word. Guide us in it now. Help us to understand the importance uh, for us in this day, in this time, to follow you. God, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So the first thing we get in this passage is another time stamp of when things happened. Uh, in verse 1, it says, in, in the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, by the descent Amid, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, uh, in the first year of his reign. You get that time stamp where Daniel is. And what he's saying is, when I, I got this, when this happened, this prayer that I'm giving to you, and the, uh, how this fits into the chronology of this all, uh, who, the first king that we get in the book of Daniel is Nebuchadnezzar. Most of uh, what he is doing is uh, 
what he's recording is from Nebuchadnezzar, but from Nebuchadnezzar it goes to Belshazzar, a somewhat insignificant king, and then it goes from Belshazzar to Darius, and then Cyrus is really the last king uh, that they're under uh, these these years of captivity. But Darius uh, is the third king. And it's the first year of his reign. It's the actual year that he came to power. And so as you put these things together, you remember that Belshazzar was the writing on the wall guy. Uh, He was living it up and the writing on the wall came and he didn't know what it meant. And so he asked uh, Daniel to come and Daniel says, bad news for you. Your kingdom's going to be taken from you today. And the next king is King Darius. And so it's in the first year of his reign. It doesn't say when, but uh, it says in this first year. Uh, what's important about that is that uh, Darius, we know him to be 62 at the time because of the scriptures. Um, and so you do the math on that. That makes Daniel uh, somewhere between 82 uh, I'm sorry, um, yeah, 82 years old or somewhere in there. So he's a very older man. You think about uh, some of you, you know what it is to be 82 or nearly 82 or just past 82 or a few years past 82. Um, you, you know that that's in those latter parts of life. And so uh, if you can picture Daniel, he's gone through these different kings and he's still in captivity. Jerusalem's still a mess. Uh, God's people are not in the temple. They're not uh, worshiping. And the, uh, the, the word he's going to use is desolations, not the abomination of desolation, the act, but the, the idea of desolation, that the city's in ruin, the temple's in ruin. I would even say the walls are in ruin. Everything's in ruin. And worship of God is not going on in the temple so you got uh, Daniel being an older man, and this puts the captivity that he has been involved in like 67 years. 67 years they've been in captivity. Okay, so that's going to come, uh, come together for us as we look at this passage this morning. That's verse 1. In verse 2 it says, In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, um, I, Daniel, um, it says, perceived in the book's, the the number of years that according to the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet must pass before the end of the desolations of Jeru- Jerusalem, uh, namely 70 years. He goes from really the setting of what's going on, this is when it's happened, to uh, this idea of numbers, numbers, and specifically a number uh, that is to come. Uh, and it says he perceived in the books. And so some of this is kind of hard for us to figure out. How many of you have a Bible? Good, that's a majority. Um, and most of us have a lot of Bibles, a lot of Bibles. Some of uh, you should have more Bibles than dogs. I just want to tell you that, okay? Um, and you should read them and love them more than your dog. Some of you love your dog a lot, but you should love the scriptures more. Uh, sorry about that copper. Um, so... Uh, we have the Bible, and we're very familiar with it. We're comfortable with it. We, we know the books of the Bible. We, we can sort things out. We, we're comfortable with what that is. Uh, in the times of Daniel, you got a picture. you got a picture. First of all, not all the Scripture was written, not even the, the Old Testament. So, so you have the Old Testament being written, some of the latter books. And uh, they didn't just 
you know, uh, they didn't just pull out their iPad when they wanted to read the Old Testament, right? Um, iPads are great, by the way, when you have electricity and the Internet's working. Just want to tell you. You should have a backup plan if iPad's your first go-to, okay? Um, and it probably shouldn't be your first go-to. Anyways, um, so, so what you get is this, this idea that uh, Daniel was probably trained in the scripture in Jerusalem. Um, and so he knew about the prophets and the readings and uh, the, uh, the, writing, the writings, and he had perceived in these books. So he had been trained in that, but know this. Uh, so um, when he was being taken in captivity, he didn't go, oh, yeah, could you bring the library with you? You know, if you're going to sack the place and grab a bunch of stuff, get the library because I'm going to need that uh, as I'm in. There, there was probably bits and pieces that he had um, as he was in captivity in Babylon. But this is what he tells us. He perceived in the books, and we assume because of what he said, the book of Jeremiah or the teachings of Jeremiah he had. He had. He knew of them. He either studied them, he either had a copy of them, or um, he had from oral tradition, he knew what the prophet Jeremiah had said. And so uh, he perceived in the books the number of years, and he's going to say that number later is 70 years, um, the number of years according to the word of the Lord God spoke through the prophet Jeremiah, and I, I've talked to you about this before when I uh, talk about Daniel. Um, we, we like to make heroes. Isn't Daniel great? No, I think Daniel's great. I think Daniel's great. I, I would, you know, if you're thinking of having a boy, maybe you should name him Daniel. It would be a great name. Um, but th- this idea that we have heroes in the book of the Bible, in the, in the Bible, I want to tell you there's really only one hero. Uh, there's really only, God is the hero. God is the hero, always. And uh, it's not about the people, it's about him, him working in the people. And so even as we look at Jeremiah, another good name, um, you could call him Jerry. Uh, Jeremiah is a prophet. He has the word of the Lord. God spoke to him and through him with a specific message. He's a messenger uh, that is bringing a specific message to God's people. And so that's what a prophet is. And so Daniel connects, who is called a prophet in and of himself. Daniel is looking to another prophet, Jeremiah. And he says, I perceived, I understood from these books, the number of years that, uh, uh, and it says that must pass, must pass before the end of the desolations of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. Okay, this idea of uh, passing, um, well, we'll get to that in a moment. Um, let's look at the Jeremiah passage, Jeremiah 29, verses 10 through 14. So this is, there's two passages in Jeremiah where it refers to this idea of 70 years, and I took the latter one. Uh, but this is what Jeremiah said, Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 10 through 14. For thus says the Lord, uh, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill Uh, to you my promise and bring you back to this place for I know the plans that I have for you declares the Lord plans for welfare and not for evil to give you a future and a hope many of you know that passage Um, then then you will call upon my name and uh, and come and pray to me and I will hear you 
You will seek me and, and find me when, when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from uh, all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord. I will bring you back, back to the place which I have uh, sent you into exile. So, so what Daniel is saying here is this. Hey, I read those things of Jeremiah. I read them. And he said it was going to be 70 years. And Daniel was counting his birthdays and he was going, wait a minute. I've been here. I'm getting to be an old guy. I'm really up in age and I can still do math. And we've been in captivity for 67 years. And the prophet Jeremiah said 70 years. Wait. Uh, time's getting close. Time's getting close. It's interesting in the Jeremiah passage, it says, it talks about calling upon his name. Uh, even It'll be 70 years, but call upon my name that I might respond. And so we see in the next section, we'll, we're going to see Daniel really fulfilling this, that he cries out to the Lord. Um, these years must pass. Um, this idea here, and it's important for us to get this, uh, there's a certain completion to the plan of God. It comes to the end. Um, and if you look in Scripture, it's somewhat interesting to even uh, uh, think through that there's a lot of sevens, sevens and 70, okay? As you look in the Scripture, a lot of times when God's marking a number, he's going to use the, the seven or the 70, okay? And as you see this, it's kind of this idea um, of coming to completion, coming to completion. Uh, Let me give you a few ideas. So we have this passage. It says 70 years. We're going to go down a few verses next week uh, to the end. It's going to say 70 weeks. Um, You you have these seven years, uh, I'm sorry, seven days of creation um, you, you think through as Jesus was talking about forgiveness, what did he say? Seven times, 70 times seven, you know, we, we get this idea of 70s. Um, and in the end, you'll see seven years of tribulation. And so what is this? And, and what we get here, I, I don't want to talk too much about this. And uh, it, it's the idea of completing. It's, it's the idea of being done. And do you think Daniel was anxious to be done? He was. Been in captivity under pagan rule for 67 years. 67 years. His whole adult life, he'd been in captivity. And so the idea of completion, oh, completion when? 70 years. Oh, when was creation completed? Seven days. Six days plus one. Then we're resting. We're resting again, right? Uh, You look in the book of Hebrews, it goes back to creation and says, uh, give you the, the... rest the sabbath day rest um and and when you think about um the tribulation the tribulation and you know we know some stuff now in our study and there's more to know but um when you see all the the wheels coming off the bus and wickedness really having its day and the the death and all the chaos that's going to happen do you think that if you're in the tribulation you're going to be real excited when you get to six point five six or whatever the end going this is going to be over soon 
I, I'm looking for this to be complete. This is the idea, this word uh, here, when it talks about completion. These days must pass, and then the end of desolation of Jerusalem. He, he uses that word desolation of Jerusalem, and like I said, the walls were shot, the city was a mess, the temple was uh, destroyed, the worship of God was not happening, and so it lay desolate. And this really connects to this event event uh, that Daniel's been talking about, and it comes up other places in the scripture, especially Revelation, uh, this idea of the abomination of desolation, that, that idea that it's ruined. The worship of God is ruined. Um, and so this is what he is referring to. Now, um, if Daniel puts it together, he has his calculator out, he figures out how old he is and when he got in here and when the captivity. And by the way, uh, I'm not sure Daniel knew when God started the clock. And, and let me tell you why I say that. So I think he was in the first wave of captivity. He was taken out of Jerusalem, brought into Babylon, okay, ruined uh, you know, got, got what they wanted, conquered. But they went back a couple more. There were two or three others after that, after that date. And so Daniel, uh, who, you know, maybe he was doing the, the, he says, I think it's 605, 605 BC. Uh, Daniel's going, I'm hoping it's 605 BC is when uh, God started his clock. Because if it's 70 years, that means we're getting close, you know, two and a half years or so from then. I want to I tell you this one thing, though. Daniel assumed by his math that what he had studied from Jeremiah, he assumed that it was getting close. And for us, I, I get this attitude sometimes in my own heart, even with the return of the Lord. Uh, some of you have heard me say that uh, I think that time is short. Time is getting shorter, and I, I feel like, uh, things are coming. I could be totally wrong by that. But um, so if the Lord's return is coming, some of us get this attitude that they had in Thessalonica. They said, oh, it's going to be so exciting. God's coming back. It's going to come fast. Get the popcorn. I want to see this happen. Like, you know, not, not the like not the small thing, but the big bucket with the, you know, greasy. Because if because if the Lord's going to return, who cares what's on that popcorn, right? As long as it tastes good, right? It doesn't matter if it's the stuff that will kill you, right? You don't, you don't need long-term. No more organic stuff, right? Okay? And so you're like, who cares? We're just going to sit and watch God do what he's going to do. And, and I, I look at this and I go, Daniel is saying in these first uh, verses, I know, I know from what God has said that captivity is coming to an end. And then he goes into this incredible prayer. If God's going to do what he's going to do, why should we pray? I, I want to put this together for you, that Daniel knew what God's promises were. He knew that uh, he was going to bring it to fruition, and yet he still went to him in prayer. He still, and this is an incredible prayer, and I hope uh, we can learn some great things from it as we see what Daniel is talking about. So looking down at verse three, we see serious prayer. Three and four, serious prayer. Um, 
It says, then I turned my face uh, to the Lord God, seeking him, in pr- him, him by prayer and pleased for mercy with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. I prayed to the Lord, my God, and made confession. Um, th- this picture here, he begins his prayer, and he's, he's kind of chronicling for us. He's, he's giving us a history, saying, let me tell you some things about what I did. When I figured out that it was 70 years, I've been living my life, and I figured out and remembered from Jeremiah, he said it twice, 70 years, I knew we were getting close. I wasn't sure if it was the 605 year or the years after that, but I knew we were getting close, so I went to the Lord in prayer. I turned my face uh, to the Lord my God. And that, that idea of turning your face, it's, it's to seek him. Um, you know, when, when you find out something's going wrong, when you find out you're in a mess or big stuff is happening, what do you do? What do kids do, by the way? What do kids do? Things get a little scary. What do they do? Mom and dad. Where's my dad? You know, uh, we're going to see it tonight here. You know, the kids are going to feel real comfortable. They're just going to cruise around and whatever. But if they get scared, what are they going to do? Or if they fall down, what are they going to do? They're going to look around. Where's mom? They're not going to look for dad. They're going to go, where's mom? Um, you know, there's this idea. I, I love this happens all the time at Bear Valley Church. And I love when it happens. You got these little ones running around and, and all of a sudden they'll come up to me and they won't be looking and they'll, they'll grab my leg and then they'll look up and then they'll get that terror look. And they're like, this is not my dad. They're looking for dad. And so this is the picture here. And I, I want to encourage you as adults who know and walk with God uh, who, who are you? Where do you run? Uh, who do you seek? When you realize that life is too much for you, when you realize that, uh, you know, and, and I do think that this is not, this is something to get when you're young, but Daniel understood it when he was old, right? Uh, he understood it all the more in this day that he didn't need uh, his mom or his dad. Uh, he didn't need to go sit uh, with his buddies uh, you know, that his peers, uh, for a lady, you know, you didn't need your mommy bear club, right? Uh, talk about parenting. Where do you run? What is the place that you go to? Um, it, it's interesting that in our world today, uh, when we get in trouble or when we need advice, some, some of us post on Facebook needy posts about, I'm in such a rough time. Why don't you go call, you know, call, call God's people if you need counsel, But even better yet, call on the God of the universe, the God of the universe, who cares about you, who made you, who's been, for for Daniel, who'd been faithful to him since his youth. Uh, That blows my mind. Um, Yeah. uh, You know, for those of you who have walked with the Lord a while, that God found you when you were young. I, I had an experience this last couple of days ago. I was at the pageant wedding, which was wonderful. And uh, one of Katie's friends uh, is the son of a couple that live over in Lompoc who I was in youth group with in Santa Barbara. They're my peers. And it was just this weird thing. I'd, I'd never met this young man, and he came up to me and introduced himself, and I, I immediately flashed back to those days when I was in high school and Maggie was in high school and Chris was in high school 
And I remember going to camp with them. I remember God working in their life and in my life. And like this, this idea that that was a long time ago. Uh, and, you know, 40 years later or whatever it's been, we're still in need. I know that as parents. But to see God be faithful to us for years, for years. And this, this idea for Daniel that he, he's been in captivity for 67 years at this point and seeing God's faithfulness, not in the good times, like not in the flourishing and the church is booming and like uh, everyone's going to the temple and we're just, you know, glorifying God all the time. It's been tough. But seeing God's faithfulness over the long term, we see this and uh, we see Daniel turning his face toward his Lord God going to him. And it says, uh, he is, uh, he seeks him in prayer and pleas for mercy. Please. Uh, he, he is desperately begging God to do something. And I want, I want you to put these things together. The promises of God, 70 years, and desperate pleas. Put those things together. Um, and we'll, we'll see why, but like there should be... Um, uh, I just struggle with this passage because I see in Daniel, uh, he's not waiting for his stimulus check, right? Uh, He doesn't think in any way, shape, or form that God is entitled to give to him, that he has to give to him. Uh, I got you, God. You said 70 years. You said 70 years, and, uh, you you know, your character's great. Mine, you know. But uh, you have to come through with this. No, he he desperately pleads to God. Uh, He says, he's begging him, please, would you do uh, this? Would you bring this to conclusion? Uh, You see him fasting, the idea of giving up food and focusing totally on uh, his prayers to the Lord, sackcloth and ashes, the idea that he's wearing a garment, a a garment that reminds them not of their greatness, but of their need and the ashes of mourning uh, that they would come. and, And these prayers are prayers that he brings in verse four. He says, I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession, confession. And, and some of us immediately when we hear confession, we go, well, what did he do wrong? What did he do wrong? Well, ask that question as you walk through this. What did Daniel do wrong? And the answer is, um, uh, it's not really about him. It's not really about him. It's about the whole people um, of which he is a part. So we see serious prayer in verses three and four. Now we go to verses four through six. We have sinned. We have sinned. Um, In the middle of verse four, he says this. So, O Lord, uh, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and, and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Verse five. We have sinned and done wrong and acted wickedly and rebelled, turning aside from your commandments and rules. We, we have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke your name to, uh, to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, to all the people of the land. It, a lot of times in Scripture, you see this a ton in the book of Psalms. You see who God is. And then you see who man is way, way down here, right? And, and there's the kind of comparison. Who is God here? Uh, he is the one that uh, our Lord, uh, the great and awesome God, um, 
who keeps covenant, meaning the idea that he is keeping his promises, his one-sided promises that he made, his big declarations of promise. He, he's keeping those covenants, his steadfast love. He's not, his love isn't like this. Uh, it's steady. It's fixed on us or those who love him and keep his commandments. And uh, he says, with those who love him and keep his commandments. And then verse five, he says, we have sinned and done wrong. We haven't, we haven't kept his commandment. We haven't loved him. Um, uh, we have sinned and done wrong. We've acted wickedly we, and rebelled, uh, turning aside from your commandments and rules. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke your names, your kings, your princes, and our fathers, and to all people. Prophets, prophets, once again, uh, why were the prophets sent? They were sent with a special message to God's people. And what should you do uh, when the prophet shows up and he says, I got a special message for you from God? You should say, hey, he's here. Give him a good seat. You need anything to drink? This is going to be great. God wants to speak to us. And then he speaks to us. And we say, nah, could you go back and get another message? I didn't like that one. In fact, just leave. Just leave. I got my own ideas of what, what good times would be like. I, I got my own ideas. Uh, if we've got mail from God, uh, we should read it, pour over it. We should study it. Uh, and the prophets, uh, they were not ones that were listened to. In fact, uh, the prophet spoke and uh, man, uh, God's people, Israel, they sinned by rejecting God's way. Um, and they said what all of us do in our sin. I, I got my own and my better way. I've got my own and my better way. I, I want to tell you that you should be afraid of your ideas. You should be afraid of your ideas. And Daniel was confessing that his people uh, had done their own thing and it was bad for them. It was bad for them. God was the one who was great and awesome. And he acknowledged they had sinned. They had gone their own way. Uh, we come to third point, verses seven and eight. We, we have brought shame to us and to you. Um, we've embarrassed ourselves. Uh, to you, O Lord, belongs righteousness. Once again, it shows God. To, to you, O Lord, belongs rice, righteousness, but to us, open shame. Um, and I think the idea of open shame is the idea of everyone seeing it, right? Uh, how many of you have been ashamed all by yourself before, right? You've done something dumb and you go, I'm glad no one saw that. You know, I feel dumb right now. I feel ashamed. I feel ashamed before God. I, I, but the idea, this is open shame among the nations. Everybody sees this. He's going to go back to this idea uh, in the future verses. To you, O Lord, belongs righteous, but to us open shame. As uh, at, at this day, to the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and to all Israel, uh, those who are near and those who are far away in all the lands to which you have driven them because of the treachery uh, that they have committed against you. And this idea of treachery is specific sins. Uh, the, this idea of lying sins or covering up sins. And I, I want to say it this way. It was not just one. Not just one. Some of us, uh, we focus on one sin, one sin. We say, oh, I did this big thing. I did this big thing. It was that one day. It was that one thing where I said that one thing. 
right? I, I, I did it. I said it. And that's why God is bringing this upon me. And Daniel was saying, no, that, that wasn't it. That wasn't it. It was really all that we were doing. It was the character of our people. It was all the sins combined. It was the pattern of our lives. Lying to cover up sins, not just one to a, compared to a righteous God. And then it says this. I thought it was interesting. He's, he talks about um, the... Uh, in, well, it says earlier, too, it talks about the kings, uh, princes and fathers. And then once again in verse 8, um, to our princes, to our fathers. Uh, th- this picture here is this. There's, there's a picture of leadership, picture of leadership. And uh, leadership's a big deal, right? Uh, when your leader is leading in wickedness, the people usually follow to some degree, uh, I know they benefit or negatively benefit, right? They experience the consequences of bad leadership. So when the king was bad, uh, I think bad stuff was going on in the nation. But it wasn't just the kings, it was the princes, it was the ones under it, and the fathers, right? The, the generational leaders uh, in verse, we just read in verse, uh, I think it was 6, Yeah, uh, in verse 6, and to all the people of the land. And what happens is this picture of leadership all the way down. Um, This is what it is. This is what uh, sin does and the shame that comes to you. Uh, You you realize that, I don't want to make this too personal and too connected to our day. Uh, Your president, your president, right? And it's funny, the last, I don't know, 15 or so years, there's been a great bumper sticker that everyone's using, depending on where you are, not my president, right? Um, And yet they are, right? Yet they are. And and there's this connection. There's this connection to your king, right? Who's leading you? Oh, that's who you are. And that's what goes out to the nations. And so this is what Daniel was connecting to. And he says, we have brought shame to us, but know this, know this. This is very important. Um, I think we all know of things that we have done that we've brought shame to our life, that we've embarrassed ourselves because of our sin. We, we all know that. We all know that. But know this, there's ripple effects that don't just stay with us. If you're a dad, guess what? If you've done something shameful, what happens? Bring shame to your wife, right? To your kids, to your parents, to the rest of the family member. They, they bring shame all the way around. That can happen for a wife as well, right? Bring shame to your husband, shame to your kids, your parents. This is what happens. Kids, this is what happens to you, right? You think, I'm my own person. I can do my own thing. It's my life. I, yeah, you can do that. But every decision you make brings either shame or uh, exaltation or, or good thoughts of the family name. By you're, you're a representative. And I want to tell you it's much greater than that because they were God's people. And the things that they had done in rejecting him had brought shame, not just to them because their, their city was a mess, but, but to the God whose name they bore. And so 
uh, Daniel was confessing this. He says, we have brought shame to us and to you. Okay, moving on to verse 9. Daniel, uh, I'm summarizing these things. We have not walked in your ways. We have not walked in your ways. Verse 9, to the Lord our God belong mercy and forgiveness. Once again, uh, God's a God of mercy and forgiveness. And what are we? For we have rebelled against him and have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God by walking in his laws, which he has set before his uh, before us by his servants, the prophets. Once again, merciful, forgiving God and us not walking in your laws. Uh, Daniel's saying, we have rejected your servants, the prophets. Um, and, and what I want you to get, I hope you're tasting it right now. What is Daniel making a case for right now? What is, what is he laying out? We're only, we've got a couple more sections here, but what is he laying out? He's going, he's going to come to the end and go, so God, we deserve you to keep your promise, that 70-year thing, a couple more years, and we're good as gold, right? Is he saying, God, we've got you over a barrel because your character Uh, it demands that you're good to us, your people. You can only be good to me. Daniel is uh, not laying out that case. He says, we have not walked in your ways. Verse, uh, fifth fifth section, verse 11. Uh, We refuse to listen. We refuse to listen. All of Israel has transgressed your law and turned aside, refusing to obey your voice. Uh, and the curse and, and oath uh, that are written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, uh, have been poured out upon us because we have sinned against him. He has confirmed his words, which he spoke against us and against our rulers who ruled us, and by bringing upon us a great calamity. For uh, under the whole heaven, there has been done anything like that has been done against Jerusalem. Uh so, so God had revealed, he, he had revealed his good and truthful law, his good and truthful law. He had sent out his prophets. He had spoken through Moses, given the law, but he's also sent out his prophets. And he, what he's communicating is what he wants to communicate with his people. And so when God communicates, what should you do? Listen, right? Uh, you know, what has... What problem does every parent have with their kids? They don't listen. They don't listen. You know, there's, you know, all those jokes about, are you, you know, are you hard of hearing? Can you not hear me? Do we need to clean your ears out? You know, why? Because it's not that they're not hearing. It's that they're not obeying. And the idea, if we can think about this, does God love his people? Yes. And so when he speaks to his people that this is good for you, they should say, oh, this is good for me. God loves me. Uh, I should do this. I should move. I should go. I should obey. And this picture here of listening is not the idea of hearing, but of jumping. And the idea of jumping to obey and rejoicing that God has spoken. But instead, uh, they sinned against him. Uh, in verse 12, I, I, I want to 
point this out because Daniel is connecting these two. He says, all of Israel transgressed. Uh, You've spoken through Moses. And then verse 12, he says, he, uh, he has confirmed his words, which he spoke against us and against the rulers. And you put this together. What is he getting at? He's talking about this calamity. What is the calamity? The calamity is the destruction of Jerusalem and the captivity for 70 years. To which, remember, as we began this, maybe you've gotten too used to it, do you get that God sent them into captivity? He used a pagan king to come into his holy city to destroy it and to take his people into captivity as part of his plan. And I don't want to just say as part of his plan, as part of his justice, Maybe justice is the wrong word, but as his loving discipline of his people, that he wanted to use this. And, he want, and so as he says in verse 12, what he's getting at is this idea is uh, it's only right as a holy God who loves his people to send you into captivity as you've disobeyed. Daniel understood this. Um, what about... Uh, when a parent says to their child, he says, um, uh, if you don't do your homework, you're going to get your phone taken away. W- what happens, what happens uh, if the kid doesn't do his homework and then the parent doesn't take the phone away? It's not truthful, right? Uh, there, and, and I wasn't trying to, some of you are like hanging your heads the hanging your head of shame uh, because, and and this isn't about us being great parents. This is about God being truthful, being truthful and and him being patient and kind and, and merciful to his people. But in time, what happens? God says, I have to come through on my word and be just to you. The the idea of what I said to be true, uh, it's gotta be true. And you're my people and I care too much for you. Uh, both in the day, but in uh, generationally, to know that you might know uh, that it's I'm truthful in what I say. We refuse to listen. Number six, uh, we have not repented. Uh, verse thirteen, as uh, as is written, the law of Moses and all, all this calamity has come upon us. Yet we have not entreated the favor of the Lord, our God, turning from our iniquities and gaining insight from your truth. Therefore, the Lord has kept ready the calamity and has brought it upon us. Uh, For the Lord, our God, is righteous in all his works and uh, all that he has done. We have not obeyed his voice. Uh, In this passage, once again, he says righteous, but he says a God of favor, a God of favor. And the picture here is this, that we would want his favor. Well, where is his favor? It's in his obedience, and we experience that blessing. Um, And so as he uh, acknowledges, we have not repented. We have not turned. uh, We have not entreated the favor of the Lord. We, We haven't turned from our iniquities and gaining insight from his truth. We haven't repented from our wrong ways. Um, And so God brings trouble on his people and is still righteous in that. Uh, You know, I just say this, calamity or trouble should bring us to repentance, right? It should remind us. If we've messed up our lives, uh, what should we do? 
if we've gone the hard way and it's been found out to be hard because it's the hard way and it wasn't what God wanted for us and he told us that and we find it to be hard, what should we do? In pride, just stick with it and see if we can make it, right? In the ditch, go down deeper, right? No, we should repent. We should repent. Uh, Calamity should bring about repentance. Um, Number seven. Uh, We're getting towards the end here. Seriously, I'm getting towards the end. Um, uh, He calls upon God to glorify his name by showing us or them mercy. Verse 15, and now, O Lord our God, who brought your people out of the land of Egypt, okay? He's going back to history. Remember that? Moses in Egypt, and he brought them out. He was faithful to them. And he says, you know, uh, that's the kind of faithfulness that we're looking for here. Uh, By your mighty hand, uh, and have made a name for yourself at, at this day. We have sinned. We have done wickedly, O Lord. According to all your righteous acts, let your anger and your wrath turn away from your uh, from your city Jerusalem your holy hill uh, because of our sins uh, and for the iniquities of our fathers uh, Jerusalem and your people have become a byword among all uh, who are around us now he's turning towards the end and he's saying God uh, would you glorify your name by showing us mercy may you show yourself to be great by extending us mercy uh, you, you had shown your mighty hand. It wasn't because of your people being mighty. It was your mighty hand. And, uh, and he really owns the sins of his people over and over again. He says, our sins, our wickedness. And he acknowledges, uh, so, This is so hard for us to get because anytime something bad happens to us uh, in our selfishness, we go, oh, why God? Why is these bad things happening to me? And, and I'm looking for this in Daniel. I'm looking for this. Remember, 67 years in captivity. You know, awful things happening to him throughout this whole time by different kings in different times. And yet he says, our sins and our wickedness. You were justified in your anger and wrath. But that, that justified anger and wrath, we're asking for you to show mercy and turn away. And acknowledging once again at, uh, in verse 16 at the end that um, Jerusalem and your people have become a byword among uh, all who are around us. The, the picture here was God was choosing a people that were meant to represent him in the world and to show his greatness. And now they become, you know, a, a sideline, like a, a sixth place team, right? You know, not making the playoffs here. This is not something that they were thought of as glorious. When the other nations heard of Jerusalem, they didn't go, wow, that's a magnificent place because they serve a magnificent God. Number eight. Uh, change the desolations for your name. Now, therefore, O God, listen to the prayer of your servant and to his plea for mercy. And for your own sake, O Lord, make your face to shine upon your sanctuary, which is desolate. Verse 18, O my God, uh, incline your ear and hear. Open your ears and see uh, our desolations. Uh, And the city that is called by your name, 
for we uh, do not present our pleas before you because of our righteousness, but because of your great mercy. Oh, oh Lord, hear. Oh, Lord, forgive. Oh, Lord, pay attention and act. Delay not uh, for your own sake. Uh, oh, my God, because your city and your people are called by your name. First of all, what he's getting at is mercy for your name. Mercy for your name. Um, as we pray, this is a great prayer for us, is that, at, you know, if we really see ourselves clearly, we'll see ourselves as a mess, right? We're uh, and needy in so many ways, failing in so many ways. And as we come to him and we ask for his goodness, his favor, we say, God, would you act favorably on me? I know I don't deserve it. I know I do, we're, we're not looking for justice here in our lives. We're looking for your mercy. But not mercy that I would be... Uh, fat, dumb, and happy, but mercy that your life, your, your name would be glorified in me. That as people see me, uh, that you've shown me mercy, I could speak of your mercy to me, not that I deserved it, but because you're good. He gets back to the desolations no longer, and as he pictures Jerusalem, he pictures God would you bring to end this, uh, this captivity that that city would once again be, be no longer desolate, but be filled with your worship so that the nations would know? In verse 18, I, th- I think it uh, summarizes well. He says, for we do not present our pleas before you because of our righteousness, but because of your great mercy. Get that stuck in your mind, not because of our righteousness, but because of his great mercy. That's the basis on which we call upon him and his work in our lives. And then lastly, verse 19, he uh, brings it together by saying, because your city and your people are called by your name. These are God's people, the Jews. Uh, They are a peculiar people. We are not taking the place of them. But in a similar way, the church, who are we? We're the church that has been bought by the blood of Jesus, Jesus Christ, the one, our one and only Lord and Savior. And as we are, this gives a picture to an onlooking world at the work that God does in him. And so uh, we bear the name of Jesus as we go about. I want to give you three quick t- takeaways uh, from our time together. The first one is this, we are always deserving punishment. Always, always. Uh, For those of you who walked with the Lord a while, you have not arrived. You have not arrived. You're not sinless perfection. God has given you righteousness, but you still sin. Uh, Want me to point them out? You know, if you think you're sinless, if you think you're righteous in and of yourself, ask your spouse. They see it every day. Ask your kids. They see it. We are always deserving. We are always deserving of punishment. Second thing, God is always righteous. God is always righteous. As you see what's going on in the world, it may not make sense to you. As you see what's going on and you realize the plan of God, he's in control, his sovereignty, you realize all that. Know this, that in all he does, 
and all that he is, he is always righteous. Lastly, and this kind of flows together, one, two, and now we get to three. So we always are crying for mercy. We're always crying out for mercy. As we call upon him, it is not on the basis of our good life, the things that we have done and the history that we have and the great things that we have done. We are always connecting our undeserving and his righteousness, calling on him for mercy, crying out to him for mercy. May we get good at doing this, even as we look upon Daniel and his leadership and his love for God and his understanding of the scriptures and realizing that God is going to fulfill his promises, that we would be a people dependent on him, crying out to him for mercy. God, thank you for this time. Thank you for your church. May we understand how our place before you, even as Daniel did, God, thank you that you're working out your plan and there will be a completion uh, to this world, this life, um, either uh, by death for us who trust in you or, or by your rapture of your church. God, we know that there will be a completion. God, help us to look forward to this. And as we see the day approaching, that we would continue to cry out in an undeser- as an undeserving people knowing that we are calling upon a righteous God who is deserving to bring us justice, but because of your kindness and because of your character, you sent us Jesus instead. God, thank you. Uh, God, thank you for this time to your work in your church, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.